Hi, I'm Deborah, a crypto comms professional who loves all things money. And I'm Hui Yu, a financial advisor who wants to help you fall in love with money. Welcome to Season 3 of Good Girls Talk About Money, the monthly podcast that talks about how to better understand your financial well-being and improve your confidence in handling your money. Enjoy the show. So for this month, we have quite a special episode. We have, uh, including Debs, three guests joining us for today. I, it's my first time having so many interviewees on the show, and I'm quite excited to hear from everyone. Okay, so let's go one round. Let's start. Okay, Debs, we know her, so let's put her at the last. Let's start with Lily. Okay, come on, Lily. Let's introduce yourself. Hello, hello. So my Hi. name is Lily. Hi. And I've known these um, people on the podcast <laughs> for quite many years already. Um, so I, I am a content specialist with a ride-hailing company. <laughs> and um, I've been working there for around three years. Um, it, is, it is, I think, my second, second time in, in the tech industry, if you could say that. And, then, um, and it's been pretty fulfilling so far. So that's about me. Okay, thanks, Lily. We will hear more from you later. Now, let's move on to Megan. Hi, everyone. I'm Megan. Hi, Megan. Yeah, hi. I'm 24 years old. So, I would say like I represent more of an early career perspective. So, actually working in FMCG industry as part of a regional graduate program. Yeah. And as a fun fact, right, I used to be Deb's intern. So, when we were doing startup. So, actually, I used to help her like edit some podcasts for like the company so it's nice to be on this site right now yes <laughs> it sounds to me like everyone used to be Deb's intern but anyway let's move on to our <laughs> final interviewee Deborah Tan okay so basically I think everyone likes to say that they were my intern and this makes me really old but just to set the record straight right you know um Interns are like, you know, very close to us in age, okay? So anyway, anyway, I'm Deborah and I am a comms uh, professional, like you guys, as you guys know, in the crypto space. Um, and I think, you know, you as you, you all can see, Megan was the only person who revealed her age. So she represents the 20-something age group. Lily will be representing the 30-something age group, kind of like a mid-career kind of Feel. And obviously me, the ancient old crone, you know, I represent the 40-something age group. Yeah. Closer to retirement than I would like. But yeah, so wait, now that we have all kind of revealed our demographic, so to say, what actually are we talking about this month? So this month, we're going to be talking about a topic that is quite relevant. It is quite serious, okay? I'm going to be asking you guys about... Not family planning. <laughs> No, 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 that's, that's not my forte, okay. Um, about retrenchment, whether it has happened to you, how you plan for it, what your plan B is. I mean, basically anything you want to share about retrenchment and your own experience, okay? So, cool. shall we start? Yeah, sure. Sure. Okay, you guys feel free to jump in, okay, when I ask the question. So, I mean, it, has, it can be very, very casual, Okay. So the first question that I would like to find out is, have you guys ever been laid off before? Yeah, I think I will go first. Um, yes, I have been laid off before, but it's kind of like 
Okay, so the story is a bit complicated. So I think in 2018, early 2018, yeah, so the startup that Lily and I were both working working at, uh, we got a phone call at 9.30 a.m. one morning from one of the co-founders. And then he said that because the company has failed to uh, raise more money and that the board is only willing to lend money to the company on condition that they fire the Okay, they lay off, you know, I generally, I find differences here, but like they, you know, if they lay off the Asia team and um, and use that money to hire a team in UK to sort of break into the UK market. Um, and then, yeah, so I would say that I took the news quite badly because first of all, we weren't expecting it. And secondly, I thought that, you know, our jobs were kind of safe considering that we brought in a huge bulk of the revenue. And yeah, so I was a mess. I, I, I think I spent like two weeks crying. Lily? <laughs> wow. Well, <laughs> I think um, that was truly a... That, that was my first time um, being retrenched. And um, I, hopefully the last time as well. Uh, and, and it was quite traumatic experience because I remember um, when, when I got the news, right? Me and another ex-colleague, we, we just looked at each other and we were like, oh, Deborah is kidding, right? And then we started like giggling. And then like two seconds later, we became serious and like, and, and we said, ah, she, she wouldn't joke about such stuff. Um, and, and true enough, like it was true, right? I mean, so, so after that, um, it was, it was pretty hard to take because it, it completely caught all of us off guard. Right. We were not expecting this at all uh, for the Singapore team at, at least. So um, uh, no warning signs, no nothing. So it was very, um, it was really quite a big shock to us. Um, but lucky for me, right, um, I think within the two weeks or so, I managed to actually get uh, um, an opportunity with another organization. Um, oh, I was just asking, I was just, yeah, I was just casually asking this this lady, right, whom I used to work with in an under organization, um, to be one of my references. And she was like, oh, okay, why don't we meet up? So that was that. Like, it, I have, I had not even started applying for jobs. So, so I was extremely, extremely lucky um, to have gone through, um, to, to have had that opportunity. Um, but yeah, regardless, it was a pretty traumatic experience, the whole, you know, retrenchment thing. Yeah, I would say that I still suffer from a bit of a PTSD from that episode. And I would, yeah, you know, unlike Lily, I spent, because they gave us a month's notice, right? So, you know, the one month following the news, I really, because I've never not worked before. And if you guys know me, you know I love to work. So the thought of not having work after one month was super stressful for me. So I really went on this mad rampage to apply for a lot of jobs. And every time that you know any opportunity didn't work out, it was like a massive hit to my ego. But this is the second part of the story for this like uh, retrenchment thing, right? Um, one of our very key clients for that startup uh, renewed their contract. And part of the, the condition was that they wanted me to service that account, like do the content for that account. So I managed to save my job, but unfortunately I did not manage to save Lily's and, you know, the other person's job. I see. Okay. I mean, just listening to your experience, it does sound very, very traumatic. Regardless of whether you're someone who loves working or someone who just likes security. I mean, the idea that one day you come to work 
and you get this very severe news that you don't have to come back one month later, I guess it will be quite a shocker for most people. What about Megan? Did you experience anything similar? I haven't been laid off because I've only worked for a short period of time. But actually, I think if I experienced it and some of my acquaintances have being in tech, I think it would be ground shattering for me. Because, for example, like after you graduate from university, you think that your skills are very relevant, applicable to society. But just like one and a half or two years in, you're told that like you're made, you're basically made redundant or that like your organization doesn't have a spot for you anymore. It's definitely going to take a huge hit on like mental, mental welfare, I guess. Mm. So one thing, I mean, I, what I heard from Lily is, is that it's good to have friends because that's how she found her, <laughs> her job after, you know, she wanted someone as her reference, but then the person asked for a chat. So the next question that I wanted to ask you guys, maybe more of Lily and Debs, since it really happened to you, is what did that experience teach you? Um, okay, I think I can go first. Um, for me, right, job security is actually pretty important. Um, so for, for people who know me, I, I, I think similar to Debs, I don't think I've ever not worked. Like after I graduated from Polytechnic, right, I started working and I and I haven't stopped since. I I I, I don't take breaks in between. I mean, unless I'm I'm switching jobs, ah, then like there'll be a two week break in between, right? But to me, that doesn't count. <laughs> um, and and I because I come from a pretty poor family background. Um, growing up, so so to me, right? I cannot imagine, for instance, quitting without a job. I need to know that the next month I have salary coming in so that I can feed my parents, I can feed my cats, I can feed myself. So um, so to me, job security is very critical. So when, so what that taught me, and, and to, be, to be very honest, right, when that happened, I was, um, I was very bad at financial planning. I was only starting to like, you know, look into how I can um, plan a better future for me and for, for, for myself and my loved ones financially. So I didn't have much savings at the time. So like I mentioned, I was very, very lucky that, you know, um, there was an opportunity right there when I reached out to this person. If not, right, um, honestly, I don't know what would have happened, um, but it really taught me the importance of having this emergency fund, right? Like, should I not have, uh, if, if I had not met that person, if I had not spoken up to that person, uh, spoken to that person, right? Um, I think I might have been screwed, right? Because I don't have, I don't have um, savings. I don't have, at the point, I, I didn't have savings. I didn't have, I, I didn't invest my, 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 my money in anything. So um, I was pretty much, I, I probably have to rely on my partner. I have to rely on my parents. And that was the last thing I wanted. Um, so mm. that really taught me, like, ever since that happened, right, it really taught me to, okay, Lily, you need to, like, you know, tighten your, your purse strings and, and, and really start looking into financial planning properly. So okay. I think that was my biggest takeaway from that. Thanks, Lily. What about you, Debs? I think my biggest takeaway from that was um, I had to recalibrate my value system because, okay, if I get emotional, please forgive me. Because, you know, for the longest I think for a large part of my life, my my identity is tied to my work. So mm. everyone who knows me know that money is not the issue here, right? It's not that I'm rich. <laughs> 
I'm not the kind who will say like, I need a bonus. I need to be in a job that will pay me 12 month bonus whatsoever. You know, for me, it was always more about my identity is tied to my job. So I get a sense of achievement from, say, the work that I do, the results that I bring in. And for me, being laid off was as if like it was a slap to my face. Like you're mm. telling me that I am no longer valuable to the organization. Maybe it was, you know, and, and maybe that wasn't it. You know, maybe it wasn't that Debs wasn't performing. You know, I get that. But if I am so freaking indispensable and I am so useful to your organization, why are you not fighting for me? Why are you not fighting to keep me, right? So I, so I think the emotional upheaval that I felt was a mix of betrayal, you know, um, coupled with a bit of disappointment and also self-doubt. And that self-doubt is really harmful because it eats into your self-confidence because subsequently, right, every time I'm in a job or every time I'm negotiating for a new job, I always go into this strange like mentality. Like I need to sell myself a bit lower because right. I may not be as fantastic as I think I'm I I am and even though a lot of friends you know tell me no Debs you're short selling yourself and even when I interviewed once with Lily's company and the recruiter was like uh Deborah let me give you a tip you should never tell the recruiter that you're willing to take a lower pay you know most organizations have a budget and given your experience you can expect you know that we will either match the market standard for your experience and the role um, or we will try our best to meet you, you know, in the middle. But you should never say, I'm happy to take a lower pay. I'm happy to negotiate if my salary expectation does not meet your budget. So for me, my biggest takeaway was that I needed to recalibrate my sense of self and to understand that this, whatever is happening or whatever could be happening, you know, is not tied to my sense of worth. It's not tied to my abilities. It's not tied to my person even. And that I have to find my affirmation and my, you know, source of confidence um, within me and not let other people tell me how valuable I am to the organization. Wow, Debs, thanks for the very honest sharing. I I heard very strong emotions from your end. I mean, it, it definitely sounds very, still very raw, in fact. And my summary of what I heard from Lily and Debs is that it almost triggers a way deeper emotion than just losing a job. Um, from Lily, I heard the emotion of insecurity, of not being able to, to pay for herself and having to rely on the people around her, which, which is what she really doesn't want. And from Debs, I hear this issue of um, self-doubt, which is uh, quite a dangerous zone to be in because it will then affect how you present yourself in your next job. Which brings me to my next question. And Megan, please feel free to, ju to jump in, okay? Um, from this experience of having been laid off once, and I truly hope that it doesn't happen to any of you guys again. Okay, But if it does happen again, very, very unfortunately, do you have a plan B or what do you hope to do differently? Anyone? Megan? Yeah, okay. Anyone? I, I can start. I can start. I can start. So um, I think 
right now, the organization I'm in, I don't feel particularly secure in my role at this point. So um, what that previous experience taught me is that I need to be, I need to keep looking at my CV and seeing how I can improve on it. And and if it happens again, um, since that last experience, I have already started on my financial planning journey um, and, and I've already, you know, um, set aside enough money as my emergency fund. So at least I have that assurance that, okay, I'm not going to be totally desperate and rely on other people for, for a good six to eight months, right? So I, I have that uh, assurance there. So that, that really brings me huge relief to, to give, it, it also adds to that luxury of options for me at this point. So um, I am, I'm thankful to have started on that journey and um, I'm, not as, I'm not as unprepared as before, let's just say that. I can attest to what Lily just said. Uh, we just met for a review about two weeks ago and she definitely is in a way better place right now. Okay, so well done, <laughs> Lily. <laughs> Yay, thanks. Maybe can we hear a bit more from Megan, the, the youngest on our show today? I mean, I really hope you don't experience getting laid off or getting retrenched in your entire career. But if it does happen to you and it's, it's very real in this current climate, do you have a plan B for yourself or what do you hope to happen? I think I'll look outward to maybe different industries or upskilling actually. And... Honestly, sometimes if the market is really bad, because, okay, I'm an economic student, so sometimes when the economic pressure is just too high, like, people really have a lower, like, opportunity cost to just take a break. This is a very privileged point of view because I am not in a position where I can, like, take a break right now. But sometimes I feel that um, what, what Deb said also, like, struck a chord with me, which is that, Sometimes if you're really mentally affected, it will affect your future opportunities because you think you deserve less. So sometimes it's important to also like maybe take a few weeks to to stop like finding jobs and jumping to the next opportunity first. Like find a way to like recalibrate yourself and then jump back in. Right. Actually, I want to ask, I'm curious to ask Megan, right? Like for, you know, uh, people your age group, if let's say you guys get laid off, right? What is the, like, do you think most people would just take a break, go on some three month holiday around Europe, buy one way ticket to Europe and never come back kind of thing, like live life to the fullest? Does that formal thing still, is it still very much part of what the 20 something people hope for, like will do if let's say they, you know, um, are unfortunately laid off? It's tied to income, but yes, people do that. Okay, because I'm a Gen Z, right? And let me just say <laughs> that my job market has always been bad. <laughs> so I graduated in 21, right? When it was COVID period. We couldn't mm. even like have a, a warm environment to sell ourselves. It was so sterile. Like we were trying to convince people over a screen that we deserve to get a job. And then after that, now we are hit by these tech layoffs and um, another recession. So I think there are quite a few people in like my age group that are quite anti-work. Like they, they feel that like, oh, this is actually, it's, it's, it's getting really overwhelming for us. Like we are trying our best, putting in effort, but it seems like um, 
we are all in a pretty tight situation. So why don't we just live for ourselves? And sometimes we deserve to take a break as well. It's not just the corporations that have all the power, that, but we also need to take care of ourselves. Okay, but, I'm, but, I'm, that, I'm, but, but wait, can I just say, right? I, I feel that um, it is really difficult to not take it personally when the company decides to actually let you go. But uh, there will also be a lot of people who will encourage you to say that it truly is may not be your fault because it's just a time and place thing. It's so difficult to remember that, but I think we need more of the encouragement on like platforms like LinkedIn as well. I I want to add on to what Megan just said. You know, back in 2018, when Lily and I, we got the news about that laid off, right? I think during that time in Singapore, the impression was still the whole like, wow, if you get laid off, you must really suck at your job. But moving forward to say five years later, I think that the environment for people to talk about their retrenchment or being laid off by their company, the the mood has definitely changed. The attitudes have definitely changed. You know, you can see people going on LinkedIn saying that, unfortunately, I have been told by my company that my role will be made redundant and I will appreciate any introductions or any, if you all know any great opportunity, you know, I will appreciate any connection and stuff like that. So I think there's no longer that. The shame associated with retrenchment has definitely dulled, you know, dulled down a little bit. And I mean, that's based on my observation on, on LinkedIn law. Mm. Right. And okay, it's great that we have a, a range of interviewees today. I'm, I'm curious to find out more from Megan because, okay, I'm closer in age to Lily and, and Debs. I don't really have that many young friends. So I'm, I'm curious to know how the perspective uh, changes with age. Okay, like I know for me, myself and, uh, okay, no, me, myself, me, Debs and Lily, we all have houses. So we have mortgage to pay. And that's why the stress of being laid off and not having income will be really, uh, I don't know, uh, scary. Because the we still need a, a place to stay in and, and affordability is definitely an issue, you know. But for Megan, do you have huge liabilities or, I mean, are, are you, if you don't mind sharing, but only if you're comfortable sharing, do you have a mortgage to pay for? Do you have parents whom you need to support? Uh, do you mind sharing with us? I'm only covering insurance for myself and like phone bills, that kind of thing. But my parents have always made it very clear that like they will take good care of themselves such that they don't rely on my brother and I for for any like income next time. And I don't have like housing to pay for. So I'm basically like a free bird now. Wow. Okay. And enjoy it while it lasts. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Um, I... I'm just trying to think back to a time where I didn't have so many responsibilities, like five cats. I mean, I, I know Lily has two cats. And it's very real, you know, the amount that we have to pay to support the house, the cat, the car, and all these things. So I guess one thing that I myself think a lot about is financial freedom. And I, I probably have mentioned this quite a few times, you know. I'm very glad that Lily mentioned the importance of having an emergency fund. Because these days, the possibility of getting laid off is quite real. And if it does happen, people do need time to find the next job. So um, I'm very thankful to have the different perspectives that we have on the platform today. So let me move on to the next question. Across the three of you, right? Do you think it's, 
unrealistic for employees to expect a job to have some kind of security. Oh, actually in depth, I realized that we didn't really hear about you about your plan B. Do you want to share first? Sorry to yeah, jump I'm in. curious. Yes, yes, yes go words. ahead. Sorry, sorry, Debs, I missed we you. We see Debs like signaling on the screen. Sugar daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid. No, it's just a joke. Um, yeah, I mean... Is it? <laughs> well, you know, some people say I still look like a 20-something, you know, SK2 to thank. <laughs> okay, but uh, seriously, yeah, I think if I were to... Um, go through such an unfortunate thing again, I think emotionally I am in a better place. And also I think what Lily, Lily says is very important, which is, you know, the importance of a network and the importance of having friends in the professional like circle, right? So I think what I would do is really reach out to all the people that I know, you know, through my hard work at building up my LinkedIn profile to say like, hey, you know, i I'm, I may have some updates with regards to uh, my job status. You, is your company looking for a comms person, etc.? And yeah, let me know if you're hiring. Um, and yeah, continue working my network to see if they have opportunities for me. Uh, but I think one thing that I'm also grateful for is that uh, through Hui Yu's constant nagging, I also have an emergency fund that I can sort of uh, used to pay my bills. And this may sound a little bit macabre, but my dad passed away recently. And so, you know, that that, that is like, you know, a, a little bit of money that I can, you know, look forward to inheriting. And I don't know what's that sum yet, uh, but hopefully it will give me a little bit of runway and not drive me to find the next, you know, drive me to accept the next, like the first possible uh, offer that is put on the table, right? And thirdly, I think that's really important. I have a side hustle, uh, which I only do on weekends. But in the event that nothing works out or I haven't found anything attractive, I think, you know, I would just go and make kuih salat every day and try to find people to buy kuih salat. Or if not, I would just see whether there is an opportunity for me to take up a hawker center store and I can go and be your kueh salad auntie or something <laughs> like that. But everyone, but... please try her kueh salad. It is awesome. It is so delicious. Okay, I've I tried a few people. brands and it's really, really good. So please support Deborah Tan's kueh salad. <laughs> oh, thank you guys. But yeah, Hashtag so I think... not sponsored. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did not pay good girls talk about money to talk about my kueh salad. But yeah, but I think... Uh, boiling down to that, one fortune teller, I, I know fortune tellers are not like the best source of uh, confidence and uh, life life advice here, but one fortune teller did say, after looking at my eight characters, as long as you're willing to work, you will never starve. So I guess whether it's in making kueh salad or accepting freelance content writing job or just, you know, um, go and be a grab driver or go jack driver, I think it is impossible to staff. I may not be able to support the lifestyle that I have now, but I think, um, yeah, the, the, it's not a dead end. Mm. Right. Thanks, Debs. Once again, please support Deborah Tan's Kueh. If you find her on Instagram, it's what, W-H-A-T-K-U-E-H, what Kueh. So guys, you know what to do after this episode. Okay. I'm a bit curious to, to find out more from, from the three of you because my background is slightly different uh, from, from you guys. 
uh, as you know, I am self-employed. So the risk of getting laid off is very, very low for me. I mean, unless I, I change to a different industry. So has it, have you guys ever been tempted to start your own business so as to do away with the risk of getting retrenched? Anyone? I can, I I can go they... first. Oh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Megan, you, you, why don't you go? Oh, it's, it's just a quick comment. Like, I feel that starting your own business is also dependent on other businesses though. So there's like a lot of downstream effects. So Tell for us example, more, if like people are getting laid off, right? It means that it's indicative that the company may not be doing so well, which could also affect like self-proprietorship models. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I'm just I'm just digesting the information that Megan shared, and yeah, Debs, you you were going to say something. Um. Yeah. I mean, I can answer this question because, funnily enough, when we met for our CNY lunch, you asked me whether I'm interested in joining you in the in the business of financial advising, right? So. Okay, so there are a few thoughts. I, I mean, there are a few layers to unpack around here. Okay, so first of all, I've tried uh, striking out on my own and, you know, running my own business. And like Megan say, right, it's not that easy. I, and I also think that the stress is very different. Whereas the stress that you face while, um, how to say, while, while you are employed is like, oh, will I get laid off? Will I get along with my boss? Will I be managed out? You know, that kind of stress. Running your own business is another category of stress altogether. Will I have enough pipeline? Will my pipeline be big enough to keep my income steady? You know, do I have to, if you hire people to sort of support you in your business, let's say if I open a PR agency, I need to hire people, will I make enough or will I have enough of a contract to sort of keep their salaries going because the last thing I also want is to lay off my employees, right? So, you know, and if your business is small without any kind of like big investment, then that's another stress altogether. So if you were to ask me, would I start my own business? Because then I will not have to struggle with the whole getting laid off stress. For me now, I would say it's unlikely unless I know there is like there are a couple of contracts that are waiting for me to take on and that um, there are people who are willing to invest in whatever business I want to start. Right. Okay. So what I hear is that you still, at this point of your life at least, you value security and and it sounds like there was some stress that you you experienced when you had your own company, like paying your staff and making sure that your, your staff are still able to be employed even during downtimes no like, okay. i didn't have staff like i had partners but also you know it's also making sure that everybody earns enough to bring home right if not then like what lily say i have to go back and ask my parents for money that is like very sian also right lily yes and oh actually um i was in that company with Debs. i think that's and i have been working together for like eons right um and yeah i i feel even though um i as a business partner, I wouldn't have to worry about being laid off, right? But I think having your own business brings about a whole new layer of stresses, like um, and and also uh, the 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 job security is 
to me, I feel um, more absent <laughs> when you have your own business because you mm-hmm. need to hustle. You need to make sure you have, like Deb's mentioned, right? You need to uh, ensure that you have enough, you know, um, uh, you have a pipeline, you, 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 you know who to speak to, you know, you know, you can get enough money coming in. And that to me is bloody stressful <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, um, and not, not everybody can, unless you have the, you share the same mentality, right? Um, with your business partners, it's very hard to, to, um, you know, guarantee success in, yeah. when, when you have your own company. Yeah. And to also add on to what Lily said, right? The one thing I noticed when we were running our business is that the uncertainty of money and the uncertainty of when your next paycheck is going to be leads you to make bad decisions about how your business should be run and how you can invest your money. So say for instance, right, when we were doing our stuff, there are some clients who are just damn idiot, lah, you know, like they would they won't pay you just when they need to pay you. Their accounts department will drag the process out as much as possible until you have to like ask a lawyer friend to very kindly send letters of demand to like say, hey, you don't pay me, I'm going to like freaking take this go take take the legal route and stuff like that, right? And that's not, first of all, good for a relationship. But in the first place, stop bullying your vendors. Why do they, they have provided a service. Why do they have to freaking go back to you and ask you to pay them for what they deserve? That's one of the things that I really hated running my own business, right? Not everything is automated, you know, especially when it's a professional services business where you have to deal with human beings. It's not like, you know, send like Spotify every month take $9.99 out of my bank account and, you know, that's the subscription done. So, you know, and because you don't know when your next paycheck is going to be in, how much that paycheck is going to be, it makes investing and saving your money even more difficult. Because first of all, you definitely have to pay your bills. You have to pay your mortgage first. You have to pay whatever, right? That is compulsory utilities, whatever, right? And those you pay already, but you don't, because if you have a salary, let's say I know I'm taking 10K a month, I will know out of that 10K how much I can invest, how much I can save, and how much is needed to pay my bills. There's an element of certainty in that. But <clears throat> running your own business, not that it's bad. You know, if let's say I know my business confirmed plus chop guarantee, give me 20K a month, then yeah, that, that makes planning easier. But, you know, for people starting out, for people who are, new entrepreneurs that level of uncertainty will take a while to go away and that makes it that makes investing difficult right okay that's a good point i mean when you have difficult clients who refuse to pay up on time it makes the cash flow management very very tough and unpredictable for your own company and one one uh, theme that i heard quite consistently in today's conversation is the topic of psychological and emotional safety. You know, um, I think all three of you mentioned it and how it can be very damaging to your sense of self and your identity. Uh, can we talk more about this? I mean, I know Lily and Debs had the experience of getting laid off. How would you say it has affected you today? I think for me, right, um, I, I'm very different from depths. For instance, um, I, I don't, I don't tie my self worth, my identity to to my work. 
right? I'm, I'm, I've always been very clear about that. Um, and so on that front, I don't feel like I am not competent enough because I know my own capabilities. I know I give my all whenever I'm doing a job. I make sure I get the job done well, right? To the best of my ability, right? And um, uh, so I know it is not personal. I think it's more of a... The, the, the toll is more financially, right? Like I feel um, like that experience really even though it was for a very short while until I found my next opportunity, but in that short period of time, I was questioning my entire, um, uh, um, this, like my, my entire life decisions. Like, you know, why, why did I not save enough money? Why, why did I like, you know, um, think that I can just live paycheck to paycheck? You know, that was what I was doing at that time. Um, and, and, uh, so, so yeah, so, so I think it's not so much about, um, it's, it's a very different kind of uh, pain that I felt from from that, from what she felt. I think for me, it's not so much the, I mean, I'm the emotional and mental like well being part is definitely something you cannot escape, right? But I have also from a from a person who's been working in finance and and doing this podcast have come to realize that financial products need to evolve with the times you know because it you, you know back when i just started at clio for example right i will meet with like insurance agents not Huiyi, like Huiyi, our relationship started much later so you know so basically like these insurance agents will will try to sell you like endowment plans right like oh your time horizon is this you know you invest in this for 25 years now then when you are retiring you can get this right and during that point in time, I never questioned time horizon. I always, you know, maybe it's the invincibility of youth. I assume that I'll be working every year in that 25 years, right? No problem. 25 years to eventually get $2 million when I retire? Sure, sign a contract, you know, make a monthly payment and that kind of thing. And after I got laid off in 2018 and continued to stay with that company, the company made me take a pay cut, never mind but sometimes also cannot make salary. So in the end, I ended up and cashing a couple of my insurance plans. So that really got me thinking, right? Like, is it realistic now to expect people, given what we're seeing, given the layoffs, given, you know, what Megan is talking about, how <clears throat> young people these days are feeling very disenfranchised from the whole economy, right? Is it still realistic to have financial products that ask for a 10-year, 15-year, 20-year commitment, shouldn't they come up with financial products? Talk about like, you know, um, yeah, let's look at a three-year plan. What can you do in these three years to maximize your money? Basically, like what I told you, you know, I want to plant plant my, my seeds while the, you know, I want to, what what's that? Uh, what hay while the sun shines? Make hay while the sun shines. Make hay while the sun shines, right? So yeah, I want to make hay while the sun shines. And when the sun isn't shining, I don't want to fret about where this hay is going to come from, right? So yeah, so that's the thing, right? Like have financial products evolve with the times and should they be doing that? And for me, I'm constantly thinking that question because every time we ask me about like 
to think about my investment strategy and things like that. I'm always thinking, I'm always telling her, hey, I'm not even sure whether I will have this job in the next one year, in the next two years. How can you ask me to invest in something for the next 15 years? That's just not something that I want to, you know, have to think about. So, yeah. Are there can I, can I... tools available though? Like to, uh, to adjust, adjust based on like volatility, have more short-term uh, yes, there are okay. So me answering from the perspective of a financial advisor, yes, yes, yes. the the product yeah. landscape has also evolved. Okay, there are products that give you quite a bit of flexibility when you're laid off, when you don't have income, you can take a holiday from your premiums, and and just stop. And the, the to the investment, they will just take it as those months you don't invest your money, but you don't owe them any money. Okay, so unlike the traditional endowment plans where you have to back pay. X amount of months where you didn't pay, this one is just considered that you are taking a break. Okay, so that's to answer Megan's question. But to address what Deborah said, um, okay, for me, it is I have to take care of the bigger picture when I speak to my clients, you know, especially when I'm doing the review. Because on one hand, I recognize that being laid off is very real, especially in I mean, for, for Debs who has been in the tech sector. But on the other hand, I need to make sure that when she retires, which is a definite going to happen regardless of which sector she's in, because at one point, she will reach the age where it is no longer profitable for the company to hire her. When they can hire someone much younger for way cheaper. I mean, I, okay, I, this sounds like a very harsh reality, but I guess that's the job of a financial advisor, <laughs> you know, uh, to plan for the worst also. So this is where uh, I would come in and ask her the very difficult questions like, okay, I, I know you need to set aside liquidity for when the, the unfortunate happens. But even if the un unfortunate happens, can we ensure that when you reach retirement age, you can still retire comfortably without having to compromise your lifestyle. So, okay, uh, looking at the time, um, I guess we are close to the end of today's segment. But before we end off, does anybody have anything, any last words to add? From, from the young one, Megan, anything you want to share with us? Wow, I, I'm not sure because for now, no. Actually, for now, no. Yes, I think for me, it's... You know, I, I feel like, yeah, don't find multiple sources of income, you know, try and tested kind of advice. But yeah, whether it's small things, right, like setting up a side hustle or, you know, making sure that you have some money in the bank that is also making passive income for you. Um, yeah, have have all that, that those things waiting for you in the background so that when you get laid off, it's not like you have lost all hope. You know, and protect yourself. yeah, protect yourself, right? So protect yourself, protect your wallet, and always spend below your means. Because ever since you know, you can you can ask Lily there, right? Like ever since you know, when I was in magazines, right, I had over like sixty pairs of shoes in my cupboard, right? What past oh god, and, and under her table, <laughs> yeah, see shoes I like, just buy one, wear once or twice, don't care. You know, I used to buy a new dress every month for my editor's photo. You know, that kind of thing. And Vanessa will tell you, I've never done claims. I will just spend like employee expenses on taxis and things like that, right? 
and I'll be too lazy to claim those money, right? But ever since the laid off thing in 2018 happened, it's really like live below your means. And even if you have the money to buy a Chanel bag, don't go and buy the Chanel bag. Just stash it all up. Like, much I'm like a hamster, I don't know. Just put it all in your cheeks so that when there's no food, you have that, you know, the storage there to, to tide you over. So yeah, nowadays I don't even, even when I'm in, my good months, I don't even dare to splurge. You know, I think the best things, I mean, the most that I've splurged on is probably food and alcohol with friends. But yeah, that's really it. I don't even dare to go and treat myself to a diamond ring these days. So yeah, so that's that's it. Mm. Live be, below your means. Okay, that's very mother's motherly based. advice. <laughs> I have I have two I have two takeaways right from today's session and from my personal experience. Number one, right, it's never too late to start financial planning, but just get started, right? Queen's gonna two, love you. And and number two, very important takeaway um is that no one is indispensable. No matter mm. how you think you are valuable. Yes, you are valuable to the company. You 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 are providing, you're adding value to, to through the work you do. However, to think that, okay, like I feel right, Megan, you mentioned that, you know, you need to work extra hard. Um, although that is good, but don't do it for the sake of not wanting to be retrenched. Do it because it is aligned with your values, your personal values. If you value being a hard worker, do it for that. You know, otherwise you you're just... You just you know it is it is it wouldn't be um it would have a big toll on your mental health if should anything happen right um so for me personally i I would never think that I'm indispensable, I would always think that I can be replaced any time, and while I don't give in my hundred and ten percent to the work I do, I make sure I do work that I'm proud of right and um and and that's how I, I don't feel so stressed at work, I think. Um, but yeah, I think those, those two are really good takeaways for me as well um, through, through the session. I would Thanks, like Lily. to clarify a bit. So when I was... Okay, I think, I think what Lily says is really something that um, I can take away for myself because as a person who is very new to the workforce it's very easy to be defined by the times instead of like remembering that even though you are still a little youngling but you still have some power and what i meant by saying that i'll try to hustle for more projects with visibility is in line of protecting yourself so for example if you're really on the cutting board you at least show that you deserve like a better chance and if you are unable to make it within the company, you still have more things to explore outside with like what you have on your resume. Thanks, Megan. Okay, um, okay, for now, I would like to thank all three of you for the very generous and sincere sharing with our listeners. And if our listeners have any questions for, our, for the three of them, please write in to us. And if there's any other questions that you want to ask them, please also write in to us. Okay, so at this point, I will say thank you to all three of us, to all three of you. And Debs, is there anything you want to share with, with our listeners before we say bye? Mm, no, man. Stay strong. Love and resilience to anyone and everyone listening to this podcast. If you've got, you know, laid off 
recently and you would appreciate any kind of introductions, connections and stuff like that, please reach out to me, anyone here on LinkedIn. You know, I think like, I think Lily's advice is really very true these days. The value of friendship, the value of your network, you know, that's something that you can't replicate or duplicate. That's not something that you can buy online as well. So if you need that extra boost, you need that extra visibility for anything, you know, feel free to reach out to any of us. And especially if you're a woman, woman helping woman always rocks, right? So yeah. Thanks, Debs. All right. On this note, thank you everyone and bye. 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 Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to this month's episode of the Good Girls Talk About Money podcast and to our guests, Lily and Megan, for joining the good girls in talking about the uncomfortable topic of unemployment. Do you have a backup plan if you get laid off? Let us know at goodgirlstalkaboutmoney at gmail.com and we'll share the top responses in an upcoming episode. Good Girls Talk About Money is produced and edited by me, Mark Lim. Thank you for tuning in and we look forward to seeing you again in the next episode. The advice shared in this podcast has not taken your personal risk and finances into consideration. Please seek the advice of your financial advisor before making any decision about your money.